Thank you, worship team, for all the effort you put into that. And thank you all for coming out and being with us this morning. It's uh, Christmas 2021. We're talking about whatever it takes, whatever it takes. We've uh, gone through a few different subjects. Today, I want to talk about the concept of redemption. How many of you know what redemption is? Anybody ever heard of that term before? We don't use it very much in our, in our day now. Now, Jerry, when you and I were younger, 15 years ago or so, more or less, we, uh, we didn't drink uh, soda out of plastic bottles, plastic 20-ounce bottles. We didn't. They were made out of, they were what? They were glass. Does anybody remember going to the grocery store and there's a big cart outside, you take your case of bottles, you put it back in there? Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Is anybody like, I've never seen that before? Well, that's what you used to do. People are doing this, you know. You never saw that, did you? It happened, really. She's looking at me like, you're making that up. We would buy the drinks, take them home. We'd have to take the bottles back, and they'd give you how much per bottle? Five cents. So us, 10 cents? Somebody got 10 cents? Not Metropolis, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, you'd, uh, some of those kids would, would just go around the city looking for bottles to cash them in. What they'd call that was you would redeem that bottle. You'd redeem it. They'd give you something of value for something of value. Anybody remember stamps? Green stamps? How many of you have never heard of that? Go ahead and put your hand up. Okay, nobody wants to admit it. You, never, you, don't think, I'm, you think I'm making it up? Guys, it happened, right? You collect these green stamps, you turn it in for merchandise, right? They called that redeeming the stamps. But redemption in the Bible is not really like that. Even though the word has something to do with purchasing and value and things like that. But I want to explain to you what redemption is. And I want to talk to you about what it took to get us redeemed. Now see, to redeem a dirty bottle, you had to turn it in. It was dirty and then the company supposedly would take it and clean it, right? You know, amen? It sounds a little funny you're drinking out of bottles that everybody else in the world's had, but that's the way it used to be done. And the idea was taking something dirty and cleaning it, cleaning it up so that it might be useful again to restore it to its proper condition. The biblical concept of redemption is pretty similar to that, and I want to explain it. And I want to explain to you how difficult it is to get people like you and me redeemed because whether or not you realize this or not, Everybody that's been born has been born with a nature that is bad and sinful. And because of that, we are in bondage. And because we're in bondage, we need someone to redeem our life from this destructive lifestyle. And I want to show you tonight, or today, I'm still preaching from last night. I want to show you today that we have a Redeemer who gave whatever it took to make sure that you and I could be redeemed. Y'all happy it's Christmas season? What do you talk about? Now, you can talk back to me. It's okay. There is no ushers at the door that will take you to the back door if you say something, all right? Try it sometime. Amen. Give it a shot. Amen. Say yes. Yes, Pastor, I've heard of that before, all right? It's okay to talk, guys. You know, we are the people of the world that have the joy of Christmas because if you are saved, 
you don't just have a baby in a manger. You have a mighty redeemer who has taken your life, which was bent for destruction, and put you on the right path. We have something to rejoice today. Amen? So I want to talk to you about how difficult it was to make that happen. And Jesus, our Redeemer, got it done. Jesus was not a person who was not willing to give whatever it took. God Almighty is a person who was willing to do whatever it took to get this done. And so here we are at Christmas time, six days away. And the entire world talks about it. And it talks about what the angel said, I give you good news which shall be to all people. Ladies and gentlemen, the good news is there is a Redeemer who came into the world to redeem us from our sins. Our text this morning will be from Luke chapter 1. And it is something that is spoken by a man named Zacharias. Zacharias is the father or was the father of John the Baptist. And in the Luke story, you read about the angel coming to Mary, and Mary's being, uh, uh, she's conceiving and um, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is now uh, in, inside of Mary. And Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, is an old lady, and Elizabeth and Zechariah who was her husband, and Zechariah was a priest, and, and they served God, and they loved God, but they were very old, and they had no children. And in the Jewish time, if you don't have children, that's really kind of a sign. They kind of looked at you as if God didn't bless you, that there was something wrong with you. And it was a shameful thing. It's not correct, but that's the way it was. Zacharias was a priest, and he served the Lord. And one time when he was doing his duties, an angel of the Lord showed up and said, Zachariah, you're going to have a baby. Now, can you imagine? I don't remember how old he was. But it would almost be like, like an angel coming to me at uh, my age and saying, you're going to have another kid. I'm like, no, I don't think so. We're way past that, right? So Zechariah's like, how can this be? And the angel said, because you didn't believe my words, you're not going to be able to speak. And, and he didn't really know when he was going to be able to speak again, but the story we're about to read is when he was able to speak again. You know when he could speak again? After John was born, and everybody's trying to decide what to name the kid. And in those days, you named the child after your father or some relative. And Elizabeth said, no, his name's going to be John. And they went to Zachariah and said, what's his name? And he wrote down, his name is John. And all of a sudden, he could talk again. Now, a side note, <laughs> would it be profitable for us at times if God just kind of shut our mouth for a time? <laughs> You know what I mean? Has anybody got problems with this thing? You know, when this thing just runs a little bit too much? And, and uh, you know, God just kind of shut him off. Shut him off so that he might hear something, learn something. And he did learn something in this process. And when he was finished with his time of not speaking, he had a lot to say. And what he said is our text today. Look at Luke, look at Luke 1 and 68. Luke 1 and 68 is what he said. After he's now got his son, he's named him John, and he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He's accomplished redemption for his people. Now, John the Baptist did not redeem his people. 
Why is Zacharias saying this? First, Zacharias is moving from a priest to prophet. Do you guys know what prophecy is? Do you know what prophecy is in the Bible? Prophecy is where things are said at a moment of time about something that's going to happen in a later moment of time. And it's a thing that is sure to happen. You see, when John the Baptist was born, you may not realize this, but three specific prayers were answered in that moment. The prayer of Abraham centuries ago, praying that God would send the seed, the Messiah, that was going to redeem his people. The prayer of Zechariah from an earlier time when he's praying for a child. I don't know how long they prayed. Maybe they prayed 20 years. Guys, sometimes I get impatient if I have to pray for something for 20 days. Maybe they prayed 20 years. Maybe they uh, prayed 40 years. But there was a prayer that he prayed because it said that he asked God for a son. And then Zechariah, in the moment he found out that he was going to have a son, was praying that the kingdom of God would come. Three prayers answered in one event. Side note, your prayers, children of God, are being heard by God. And if your prayers are according to the will of God, your prayers will be answered by God, period. It doesn't matter. If, if you're praying now, you may wait 20 days. You may wait 20 weeks. You might wait 20 years. The point about prophecy and the point about the Word of God is the things that God says He will do, He's going to do. Time is irrelevant. Time is our problem. We get impatient, don't we? I get impatient. Y'all get impatient? I, sometimes I'm like, God, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. Y'all ever said that? You ever said, God, this doesn't make sense? You ever said that? Well, here's Zechariah now. He's excited. He's looking at, at his son. He's like, you know what? Blessed be you, God, because you have accomplished redemption in Israel. Now, what in the world does, is he saying? He's talking about the idea of redemption. Let me give you... Um, let me give you a definition of redemption. The definition of redemption, this is really good. This is what Zechariah was talking about, and this is what the Bible talks about. Redemption is the payment of ransom for something of value in order to deliver it back to its intended position. The Coke bottle's dirty, you take it back, you redeem it, in order to return it to its original position. Redemption of people is that there was a payment of ransom. You say that sounds like kidnapping or something. That's exactly what it is. Because people may not realize it, but without a redeemer, they are in the bondage of sin. Jesus came to redeem us from that sin. So let me say it again. It's the payment of ransom for something of value in order to deliver it back to its intended position. The word deliver is the same word that we would use for save. You ever hear somebody say, I got saved by Jesus? That means you got delivered. You got delivered from darkness to light. You got delivered from death to life. You got delivered from bondage to freedom. You see, if you have truly been saved by Jesus, you are truly free by Jesus. Because without Jesus, you're still in bondage to sin. 
You might say, I've never been in bondage. Sure. All of us have that sin nature. And without God's power working in our life, we continue to do the negative and bad and destructive things that is our pattern. You see, people get in trouble that way. We do the wrong thing one time, we're sorry for it, but we do it again and again and again and again. And those patterns of life is what causes so much destruction in our life. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a Redeemer who has given something of value. He's given his life to pay the ransom to spring you free. Let me give you some thoughts about that. And we're going to run into it today and talk specifically about what it took for Jesus to get us redeemed. Point number one is this. Redemption was a common theme to the people of the Old Testament. The people of the Old Testament talked about it a lot. In fact, the Jewish people understood the idea of redemption a lot. Does anybody here know that what book of the Bible is the oldest book of the Bible? Do you know? It's not Genesis. What is it? It's Job. Look what Job said. Job said, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. This is the oldest book in the Bible, Job, who went through all that he went through. Y'all remember his story? Anybody remember his story? If you think you've had a bad day, read Job, okay? Job had more than a bad day. I mean, he's the kind of day that you're like, I don't even know if I want to live. In fact, Job gives me a little bit of comfort because Job got so discouraged. He got so discouraged, Jerry, he said, I wish that I was never born. And some of us have felt that way, and then we feel guilty for feeling that way. Look, don't feel guilty about how you feel. You don't really control your feelings anyway. You control your thoughts, so just turn your thoughts to Jesus. And Job said here, I know that I have a Redeemer, and I'm not going to live in this mess forever, and one day my Redeemer will stand on the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, the oldest book in the Bible talks about a Redeemer who was coming, and that Redeemer is going to come again. And one day, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, as, as, as people who are saved by Jesus Christ, we will stand together with our Redeemer. That's a good day coming. It's a common theme in the Old Testament. Even Job spoke about it. Point number two, redemption was the work of the Messiah that was prophesied. You see, prophecy had to do with the Messiah. You, you've all heard about the Messiah, correct? I want you to know that when you hear the word Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. Christ is a Greek word which translates from the Hebrew Messiah. So when you say Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ, it's the same. There's a great song called Jesus Messiah. Sometime we'll get John Willis to sing it for us. Amen? I tried to get Bruce Laird to sing it, but he said no. When, when you couldn't sing with us that one week, I tried to get Bruce. He just wouldn't do it. I just thought somebody could pinch hit. Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ, it's the same type of idea. So prophecy had to do with the Messiah. You may not realize this, but the first book in our, in our Bible, the first book of the Torah, which is Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, is the first time a prophecy was mentioned about the coming Messiah. You have to look at it, and you have to think about it, but God told Adam and Eve that one day there would be a seed of the woman which would crush the seed of the serpent. 
the Messiah was going to come. And the prophecy of, of the Messiah began there. And why do we need a Messiah? We need a Messiah because we're so messed up. See, the biblical story of redemption starts with Adam. Adam began everything. Adam and Eve, they were created innocent, but then what happened? They fell. Because of Adam, sin came into the world. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, that we are all descendants of Adam? All of us. And a fallen person can only beget a fallen person. You can't take a fallen individual with a sin nature problem and have a child that doesn't have the sin nature problem. You all know that. Anybody that's ever had a kid found out. You might say when they're first born, they look like angels, and they'll never do anything wrong. And then about three days later, you find out they're not just angels. We love them, and they are innocent to some degree, but they have that sin nature, and as they grow up, you recognize it more and more and more. Say amen. You guys know what I'm talking about. So Adam came in, and sin began through Adam. Then Several decades or several centuries later, God raises up Abraham, and he says through Abraham, I'm going to use you to bring the promised Messiah who will be the Redeemer. So God gave a promise through Abraham. And then God raised up Moses and said through Moses, I want to give you the law to establish what righteousness looks like. And the reason the law was given, not so that we, we would have ten rules whereby we go to heaven. The law was given to show us that we're messed up. Y'all remember the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not what? No other gods before me. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Honor your father and mother that your days would be long on the earth. All of these things are the law. And God gave the, the promise to Abraham because of the sin problem of Adam. And then he gives the law through Moses to show why we need the promise. Fast forward to our story today. A huge event. This man named John the Baptist, we don't realize it. But concerning all the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest one. He said that. So here comes John the Baptist, and what John the Baptist was here to do, what was he here to do? He was fulfilling prophecy from Malachi that said that God would send a forerunner to announce the coming of the, of the Messiah. So Zechariah is looking at this kid, and he's remembering the prophecy, and he just exclaims, he says, Look, God has visited his people, and he has accomplished redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, John the Baptist comes forward and he starts to preach. And then one day he looks out and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why would he call him the Lamb of God? Because as a lamb, he was going to pay the ransom. He takes away the sin of the world. He redeems us to a right relationship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, the promise was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled. The power of sin was broken. And ladies and gentlemen, people have now been redeemed. I want you to know that Jesus began to preach as the Messiah, as the Redeemer. And he came here not with a message of judgment, but he came here with a message of grace. He comes here talking to people who are already condemned. 
who are already messed up, who have already blown it, who already have no hope in the world, who cannot change your circumstances, that have the shackles of sin and guilt and shame on their life. And Jesus comes forth and he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Ladies and gentlemen, that's whatever it takes. God looks down at you and me and he loves us to the point he says, I'll do whatever it takes to redeem you. That's why we rejoice. That's why we say amen. That's why we sing Christmas songs. We sing it because God started this work of redemption a long, long time ago. And then here he is. Here's the babe in the manger. This babe in the manger becomes the one standing on the hill teaching and preaching and telling you and me that without believing in him, you're condemned already. You don't have to do anything else to be condemned because that condemnation is on you now. That condemnation, that death, that sin is on you already. Ladies and gentlemen, without Jesus, we're in trouble. Without Jesus, we're already dead. We're not just waiting to die and go to hell. We're dead now. The Bible says if you're not born again, you're already spiritually dead. You're living in a death culture. Everything that you see in the world apart from Jesus is dying and passing away. There's nothing good about any of it. And if we can get a little bit of sense about us today, we would realize that anything other than going hard after the kingdom of God is a complete waste of time. Because it's falling away, it's perishing, it's passing away, and it's bringing damage and destruction. Everyone who goes after the things of the world finds that there's nothing there but death and destruction. And we need to be redeemed today. Jesus said that anyone who does not believe on me has been judged already because he's not believed on the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, there is redemption for you. There is help for you. But you cannot redeem yourself. You cannot work hard enough to deal with what's wrong inside of you. If you're dead spiritually, there's nothing you can do about it except come to the one who has life. There is a redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son, I want to give you five facets of this redemption and walk through it with you, and I pray that you get it today. I pray that you make this Christmas the best Christmas. The best way to enjoy a party is to get to know the person for whom the party is being thrown. This is about Jesus. If you don't know who Jesus is, Everything you have is superficial. There's nothing anyone can do for you over Christmas that's going to change your life like coming to Jesus' will. You can be redeemed today. Five things that, that happened. First was incarnation. Say the word incarnation. In Spanish, and I think Latin as well, and maybe some other biblical languages, the word carne means flesh. Carne. So this word incarnation means that he who did not have flesh became flesh. Jesus became flesh. The Bible says in Matthew, quoting from the Old Testament, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. What does the word Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. In order for Jesus to redeem us, 
He who was spirit had become flesh with us. Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. What an amazing event. The second thing that happened is the word identifying. He identifies with us. See, God, when he became one of us, he identified with us. I want to give you a, a scripture that I think is amazing. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. If we can put that up. I put this in the New Living Translation to make it e a little easier to understand because I want to make sure you get the thrust of it. Look at this. Because God's children are human beings. That's you and me. Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. That's amazing scripture to me. You and I, flesh and blood. You and I, sin nature. You and I, spiritually dead. How are we going to redeem someone who's flesh, blood, spiritually dead? How are we going to redeem that? He who was spirit, who was not flesh, had to become flesh. And he had to identify with us in order to break the power of death that is the devil. That's amazing scripture to me. You see, without the Redeemer, we're under the power of the devil. We're under the power of death. Without a Redeemer, without somebody dying for us, setting us free, we are in prison. You might as well call it that. We are in danger. This is amazing to me. Look what he says. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That's amazing. Do you know how many people are a slave to the fear of dying? All you got to do is look anywhere in our world right now. The whole world's gone nuts being afraid of dying. It's like every day we think, oh my goodness, we're going to die. There's something going to happen to us, and we're going to die. And everybody is living in fear. So many people are paralyzed by fear. That fear did not come from God. That fear comes from the enemy. You see, for you and me as Christian people, death is not the end for us. Death is our graduation. Death is when we get out of this realm where sin and destruction is, and we go on to be with Jesus. But see, people who are living in death are walking around uh, fearful of death. And the Bible says he could set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. All this prison that Satan has you in can bring to you is fear. Afraid, afraid, afraid. This is what Jesus came to redeem us from. If you're a Christian, stop living your life in fear. Live your life with faith in the Redeemer who died and came back to, to life again. He identified with us. Next, he fulfilled prophecy. Do you realize that Jesus had to fulfill everything written about him? Everything in the Old Testament that prophesied about Jesus had to be fulfilled. Every one of them. The Bible says in Luke 24... He said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Think about that. Everything written in the law of Moses, everything written in the Psalms, 
Everything written in the prophets about Jesus had to be fulfilled. That's heavy duty. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing that? Josh McDowell, quoting a man named Floyd Hamilton, said there are 332 distinct predictions of Messiah fulfilled in Jesus. Hey, if you've got any doubt about who Jesus is, I want you to chew on that for a while. 332 distinct prophecies about the Messiah were fulfilled in Jesus. That's amazing. Christmas is not an unamazing event. This is amazing what God did. Just the, the fact of the incarnation is something that we can't even really get our minds wrapped around. Only one time that ever happened. No human father, yet there's a child. How in the world did that happen? And that's exactly what Isaiah 7 said would happen. Centuries before it did. I'm telling you, we, we've got an amazing God. Sometimes people say, well, you know, this serving God's boring. You don't know the God that I know. And you don't know the stories that I've read. And I've checked it out, and it's true. He fulfilled everything written about him. Not only did he fulfill prophecy, but he fulfilled the law. Do you realize those Ten Commandments we talked about? He fulfilled them. How many of you have done well with the Ten Commandments? Did you ever break one? I mean, do you ever break them a lot? You know, sometimes we have a sense of, I'm just going to do wrong, and that's the way it is. But ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we mess it up, and we're not even aware of it. Do you ever do that? Were you ever not aware of something you've done wrong? A couple of weeks ago, we had something go out on our, on our stage. Our power conditioner went out. And if you know anything about me, you know that you don't want me working on your electronics or your car, or your computer, or just about anything. I know what I can do, I know what I can't do. But we had to find out what was wrong. We had chapel coming up, and so we were able to go back and look at the rack and everything that, that was back there. We talked about it, and we figured out it's this one piece. It's a piece of equipment that everything else plugs into, and you just turn this one thing on, and everything comes on. I figured it out, Jerry. I've already updated my resume in case I need a job doing this. So I thought, i got to find one now, and I'm talking to Michael. Michael's like, I can't get one until next week because we'd have to order it and things like that. So some of you know I have a trusty music store that I like to visit. And it's in, Anna, Anna, or it's in Jonesboro, Illinois, and it's called Mayberry's Music. And I called my friend. I said, do you have one of these? He said, I've got one. I said, would you put it aside? I'll be there this afternoon. He said, yeah, I'll put it aside. So I drove to Anna, as I've done many, many times. This is like my getaway. I go and I stand around and look at guitars all day long and love it. And this guy's a Christian man. He's a great, he's a great friend. So I'm driving there, and I'm between Vianna and West Vianna. Y'all ever driven on that road on 146? You ever been there? Tim, like every day for a while? You know, it's, it's a nice piece of road. You know, it's not the curvy stuff going into Vianna. It's a nice piece of road. But what God does with me to help me, he puts people in front of me 
that like to drive very slow. Yeah, I struggle. Hi, my name's Brian. I struggle, okay? Don't look at me like that. You do too. Amen? And so I'm, I'm driving. This guy's driving. Now, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. He might have been going 50. He might have been going 55. But somehow, on that road, 55 feels like it's really slow. Right? Y'all going to leave me out here to hang? I know what y'all are thinking. He's sitting right there. And he's got your license plate. He doesn't need any help. He's off today, all right? But, you know, it feels really slow, and I thought, I'll just pass this guy. And then I got to thinking, I, have you ever seen this, Tim, on that road? I don't know who likes to sit there, but some of my friends like to sit on the side of the road, and they got this little thing pointing at traffic. And I'm thinking, you know what? That might be happening. So I'm like, I'm just going to take my time. I was okay. And so I did, and I think that guy pulled off. So I'm just having a great time. I'm getting close to West Viana. I look in my rearview mirror. What do you think I see? I didn't hear it, but I see this way down the road. I'm like, I look down at the, at the traffic, at, at my speedometer. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I was speeding. Did you ever do that? Come on. And he's, he's doing this. He's getting closer, and I'm like, oh, great. And then I start going, dear Lord. Please be John Willis. Please be John Willis. And I mentioned that to him yesterday, and he said, it's a good thing it wasn't him. He'd have charged me double because I should know better. It wasn't. He just went on past. But you know what I learned? I learned something there. I wasn't aware of my speed. I could have been speeding and didn't know it. You see, the thing is with the law, sometimes we break the law. We're not even aware of it. But Jesus never, ever broke it. Not one time. He was never careless. He was never distracted. He never broke the law. That's amazing. He always drove 55 in West Vienna. Amen? So you have the incarnation. He identified with us. He fulfilled prophecy. He fulfilled the law. You know what else he did? He paid the ransom. He paid the ransom. What does that mean? Do you remember what Jesus said when he was on the cross? Anybody remember some of his last words? The very last thing he said, well, before he died, one of his last words, I'm just going to say it like that because I'm getting the details in my head. He had his arms out on the cross and he said, it is finished. What did that mean? It meant the payment was made. See, everything in the Bible has to do with this redemption. Everything in prophecy has to do with redemption. Everything in the Old Testament has to do with redemption. Everything that Jesus did had to do with redemption. He is purchasing our redemption. He's on the cross, and everyone's thinking, this is bad, this is bad, it shouldn't be. God should not have to die, but Jesus is saying, this is why I was born. Why, Jesus? Why were you born? He said, I was born that I might die, that I might pay your ransom and get you out of prison. Now, that's good news. Colossians 1, 13 says this. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption 
the forgiveness of sins. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what our Redeemer did. He came, he saw us, he saw us in our mess, he paid the price for us. And we who were dead in our sins and our trespasses, we were dying, we were afraid, we were fearful, we were in bondage to sin, the devil had us, we were all piled in here together. Jesus comes, he dies, he says it is finished. Now anyone here who will believe on what he's done, you are now transferred out of that place and placed into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We got a redeemer, guys. What has he done? Our Messiah has purchased our redemption. Our Messiah has pronounced us as forgiven. And ladies and gentlemen, our Messiah proclaims us to be free. Free indeed. Free indeed. Free indeed in Jesus Christ. We never have to go back to that place because it's forever. That's good news, isn't it? Well, let me just ask you. Is that your hope? Is that your hope? 